Good morning and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Frystep, Missouri. I'm Nick Prater and it's my privilege to be your announcer on this, the third Sunday in Lent. The Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service today is the organist, Reverend Ben Schumacher, and the acolytes are Peyton Minning and Kai Brown. Our opening hymn is I Am Jesus' Little Lamb, found on page 740 of the Lutheran Service Book. May God bless us as together we worship Him. Ah, there we go. Uh, you want to put one of the ribbons there. That is the order that we will be following. Also, if you are and or will be in need of nursery service for this morning, uh, we have now posted signs outside. The nursery is that way. It's in the chapel that is right outside of the door uh, to my left, your right. And also, please also don't forget that we are continuing our Lent worship series on Walking by Faith. That continues this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And so with that, let's begin our service this morning with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for this day. This is the day, Lord, that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, that it is on this day, on Sunday, we celebrate and we rejoice in the fact that you rose again. It was on that third day, Lord, on that Easter day, which you rose again to new life, thereby ensuring our new life with, with you. And so now, Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we worship you here, that you would give us a zeal this morning for your house of worship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We continue by singing our opening hymn, I Am Jesus' Little Lamb, number 740-740, I Am Jesus' Little Lamb.
So we are on page 268 of your hymnals, Holy Baptism. So we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dearly beloved, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the last chapter of Mark, our Lord promises, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And the Apostle Peter has written, Baptism now saves you. The Word of God also teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. We will be lost forever, unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. But the Father of all mercy and grace has sent his Son, Jesus Christ, who will atone for the sin of the whole world. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And how is this child to be named? Caston Lee Menning received the sign of the cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, according to your strict judgment, you condemn the unbelieving world through the flood. Yet according to your great mercy, you preserved believing Noah and his family, eight souls in all. You drowned hard-hearted Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea yet led your people Israel through the water on dry ground, foreshadowing this washing of your holy baptism. Through the baptism in the Jordan of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood and a lavish washing away of sin. We pray that you would behold casting according to your boundless mercy and bless him with true faith by the Holy Spirit that through this saving flood all sin in him which he has inherited from Adam and which he himself has committed since will be drowned and die. Grant that he be kept safe and secure in the holy ark of the Christian church, being separated from the multitude of unbelievers and serving your name at all times with a fervent spirit and a joyful hope, so that with all believers in your promise he would be declared worthy of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. From ancient times, the church has observed the custom of appointing sponsors for baptismal candidates and catechumens. In the Evangelical Lutheran Church, sponsors are to confess the faith expressed in the Apostles' Creed and taught in the small catechism. They are, whenever possible, to witness the baptism of those they sponsor. They are to pray for them, support them in their ongoing direction, nurture in the Christian faith, and encourage them toward the faithful reception of the Lord's Supper. They are at all times to be examples to them of the holy life of faith in Christ and love for the neighbor. So I ask you, is it your intention to serve Caston as sponsors in the Christian faith? God, enable you to will and to do this faithful and loving work. With his grace, fulfill what we are unable to do. Amen. So now hear the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. They brought young children to Jesus that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, 
for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now pray together the prayer that our Lord gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord preserve your coming in and your going out from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. And so at this time, I would like to invite all of the young disciples who are here today to come on up and have a seat right here so that you can witness what we are about to do. All of the young disciples. And have a seat right on the steps. Right, right there. Go sit down over here. Or, or right there. That's fine. Okay. And so since Kasten is not able to answer for himself, we shall all together as the family of faith answer for him. Kasten, do you renounce the devil? Do you renounce all of his works? Do you renounce all of his ways? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried? He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting? Yes, Kasten, do you desire to be baptized? Kasten Lee Menning, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, you did so good. And let us now go to the altar, if you would carry that, please. Bring it up here. If you guys could make us a path, that would be great. Thank you. Some of you spread the left. Let me read it. There you go. Okay, okay. Okay, and if you could set that down right there. Thank you. Everybody, come on up. Okay. 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 Let's get this right here. Okay. 
the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth of water and of the Spirit, and has forgiven you all your sins, strengthen you with his grace to life everlasting. Amen. And Robert, if you would go down and get that white cloth and also light that candle for me, please. So receive this white garment to show that you have been clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness that covers all your sin. So shall you stand without fear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the inheritance prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Receive also this burning light to show that you have received Christ who is the light of the world. Live always in the light of Christ and be ever watchful for his coming that you may meet him with joy and enter with him into the marriage feast of a lamb in his kingdom, which shall have no end. In holy baptism, God the Father has made you, Caston, a member of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir with us of all the treasures of heaven in the one holy Christian and apostolic church. We receive you in Jesus' name as our brother in Christ, that together we might hear his word, receive his gifts, and proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, I'm going to ask you guys to spread out one more time. Thank you. So, it is my joy and privilege to get you around here so you can see. Yeah. It's my joy and privilege to introduce to you this morning the newest member of God's family, Kasten Lee Menning. And you can clap, yeah. Kasten is now a member of the same family of God that we are, and so I ask all of you, if it is your intention to not only welcome him, but, but to continue to pray for him, continue to support his family uh, as he grows up to know his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if this is what you plan to do, then answer by saying, Kasten, we welcome you. Kasten, we welcome you. And so you, Kasten, the Lord always Deserve your coming in and your going out from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. Oh, you did great. Okay, you guys can go back and have a seat, okay? Please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you, word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. So then in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Glory be to the Glory Father, be to the Father, and to the Son, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, in the beginning is now, now, will be forever. forever. Amen. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. And though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all of our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all of your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. The Old Testament reading from Isaiah, chapter 42, verse 14 through 21. For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I cry out like a woman in labor, and I will grass and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and the dry up the ponds. And I will lead the blind in a way they would do not know. 
in paths that they have made not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places to the level ground. And these are things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame, but trust in carved idols, who says to metal images, who are our gods. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messengers whom I sent? Who is blind as my descendant one, or blind as the servant of the Lord? He sees many things, but does not observe them. His ears are open, but it does not hear. The Lord was pleased for his righteousness' sake to magnify his law and make it glorious. This is the word of the Lord.
Now time for the children's message, so I invite all the young disciples to come back up uh, for the children's message with Miss Minnie. Oh yes, I do have a microphone, it's over here. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. Did you know that when I was about your age, some of your age, I started taking piano lessons, and I still play piano today. I love it. Music is a big part of my life. And I even used to be a music teacher. Did you know that? Um, some of my favorite hymns are To God Be the Glory. That's one that talks about how we praise God for, for everything in our lives and in the world. And another one is called, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. And that is a song that talks about how God leads us through all of our life, through good times and bad. And do you know what those two songs have in common? They're both about Jesus, that's right. They were also both written by a woman named Fanny Crosby. Has anyone heard of Fanny Crosby? She lived about 200 years ago, and at that time, Anyone could say they were a doctor. They, could, they didn't have to go to school. Um, and Fanny was really sick when she was about six weeks old. And someone who wasn't a very good doctor gave her some medicine that made her go blind. And she couldn't see. Do you guys know what it's like to be blind? Do you know what that means? What does that mean, Harper? You can't see anything. That's right, you can't see anything. Kind of like this. Makai, you want to put those on for me? And I want you to look out there, and I want you to stand up. And Dane is sitting right over here on the right, about two rows back. Can you tell me what color his shirt is? You can't tell? OK. Have a seat. I'll take those back. Bentley, put those on. Stand up. And your grandpa's sitting over on the right. Can you tell me what color his jacket is? Can you see him? Oh. <laughs> Let me give you another one. Okay. <laughs> you knew what he was wearing, didn't you? When we are blind, that means we can't see anything. Everything is dark. And Fanny, even though she couldn't see, um, she was still a very happy girl, and she wrote over 8,000 poems and songs, all praising Jesus. And one of the poems she wrote goes like this, Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't, to weep inside because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. So. If I got sick and lost my sight, I would probably, I would have a very hard time with that. That would make me really sad. I would probably be very bitter. But Fanny did not let that stop her. She still let God work in, in her heart, and she still shared with everyone around her how much that she loved him. So even that I, 200 years later, could still glorify Jesus through the music that she shared. 
Today, Pastor is going to tell us a little bit more about another man that was born blind. This one is in the Bible, and this one lived at the same time of Jesus. And Jesus worked a miracle to um, help him see, and all the people around him couldn't understand the miracle. They didn't believe it, some of them, um, but Jesus worked in their hearts and helped them to understand um, that his, his miracle uh, meant that he was our savior and that he would not only save them, but he saves you and I today. So what I want you to understand before you go home is that there will be times in our lives that things happen. We don't really know why, but what we do know is that God is always with us and his light will shine through us no matter what trials come our way. So let's bow our heads and pray together. We're going to pray. Dear Lord, the difficulties in our life seem small when compared to what others may be facing. Help us not to grumble and complain, but to praise and glorify you in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for your help. The epistle reading for today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 14. For as one time they were darkness, but now you are light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern and is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful word of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameless even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. St. John, the third chapter. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. 
Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they answered him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and washed. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked, so the, so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Our hymn of the day is number 345 in the Lutheran service book. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding, number 345 in the Lutheran Service Book.
You can be seated. Big job. Ha ha. Will you all pray with me, please? Dear God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father, through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the message this morning is the gospel lesson that was just read about the man who was born blind. And so you want to have that in front of you because we'll be going through it as we go along. And so the question that I pose to all of us here this morning, and I hope to answer by the time that this message is completed, is when bad things happen to people, when people go through different kinds of suffering, whether that suffering is physical, spiritual, or emotional, when you are at a funeral of somebody who has just died and you run into a family member, what do you say? What are the common responses that we do say? And also, what is it that the Bible teaches us is perhaps and is really the the most correct thing to say? And so we begin then with our text for this morning. There is a man whom Jesus sees and finds that is born blind. He has been blind this entire, his entire life. His world is completely dark. And the disciples who are with him ask a question that is really from the assumptions that they have based off of their Jewish background. They ask Jesus, well, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this man was born blind? There were two ideas in Jewish thought that led to this assumption by the disciples. The first thought was the peculiar notion of something called prenatal sin, this this idea that they believed that even babies inside of the womb could commit sins of commission. So I'm taking you back to your catechism class. What's the difference between a sin of commission and omission? Anybody remember? Sins of commission are the ones that we commit, that we knowingly commit. We know what, what we are supposed to do, and yet we don't do it anyway. The sins of omission are the ones that are, is the sin that we have been born with. And so they believe that even in the womb that a baby could commit a sin of commission, knowingly uh, knew what to do, but yet didn't do the thing that they were supposed to do. And the second assumption that they had was this idea of the pre-existence of the soul, whereby souls existed before the creation of the world. And so many Jews believed that some of of these souls were good and some of these souls were bad. And in a way that only Jesus can do, he really gets right at the heart of what the issue is. The disciples, in asking that question, well, who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They are focusing on the cause of this man's sin and not the result focusing on the cause and not the result. And so he responds to their question like this, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him through and by his blindness. 
And this leads us into our topic for this morning. What to say. What do we say to people who are grieving? What do we say to people who are suffering, whether it is physically, spiritually, or emotionally? And oftentimes, we, even though we mean well, we can tend to say things that, that really do not provide much hope, or at least not the correct hope as the Bible has laid out. And so we're going to talk about sort of what I think are the top three things, the top three responses that we as humans have to other people's suffering. The first one of these is something that is ridiculously called karma. Let's put it another way. He got what was coming to him. What goes around comes around. He got his comeuppance, didn't he? Folks, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, there is no reason at all that anything like that should ever come out of your mouth at all. The reason is really quite simple, because if you are a Bible-believing Christian, then you know that according to Ephesians chapter 2, that we are not saved by our works, good works or bad works. We are saved merely by the grace of God that is the gift of Jesus Christ. And then let's say, just, just for example's sake, just for this morning, these next few seconds, let's say that karma is real. It's not. But let's just say that it is. And let's just say that, that the world actually works where what goes around comes around and, and people get what's coming to them. If that is the case, why do we still gloat whenever something that would happen? Why do we, why does that somehow make us feel better? Why does that somehow make us feel happy in other people's suffering? It shouldn't. Again, that's not what the Bible teaches. And I hope that all of us realize that if God repaid all of us for all of the crud and the really bad things that we have done, none of us would stand a chance. Not one of us. As we talked about last week, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have fallen short. And as Bible-believing Christians, let us remember this too. That according to what the Bible says, that God does not rejoice in the death of a sinner. That's what it says. But rather that that man or that woman would come to a realization of their sin and then turn back to God. So this response is not only not helpful, it is also just simply unbiblical. Now these next two responses sort of fall under the category of, of things that we've all said at one point. I, I've said them too. Things that we have, have all said at one point, even though we, we might mean well, but things that really don't provide the kind of hope that we should be giving. The first one, and stop me if you have heard this or said this before, everything happens for a reason. I, I, I know for myself, I used to say that. And the reason I think why I said that is just because I, wa I wanted to say something. This person's loved one has just died. This person ha has just been, has just found out that they are, that they have stage four cancer. 
This person's child has just died. This family's baby was born dead. And you, you just want to say something. You want to, you want to help, and we mean well. But there are lots and lots of reasons why this just simply is not the appropriate response that we should have, and it is simply an unbiblical response to have. First, if you are going to say to somebody that that is grieving, that everything happens for a reason, you'd better know what that reason is at that moment. When my grandmother died, and people were saying that, to me, I knew that they meant well, but that didn't bring my grandma back. It didn't, it didn't change the fact that, that she was no longer here with me. It didn't change the fact that I couldn't call her anymore and just find out how things were. My grandpa would sit in this chair. He would never answer the phone because he, can't, he couldn't really hear that well. So my grandma would basically relay all of our conversation to him as, as he was sitting in his chair, and I can't do that anymore. And I know that people meant well when they said, well, this, this happened for a reason. And I know that they meant well, but I was like, okay, so what's that reason? If, our, if the reason that we are prepared to give is not Jesus' words, that, that the works of God might be displayed through this, folks, we don't know what that reason is. And it's really not helpful to the person who is grieving. It's the same trap that the disciples fell into. Well, there has to be a reason for it. There has to be a reason for why this happened. There has to be a reason for why my loved one now has stage four cancer. There has to be a reason for why this family's baby was born dead. There has to be a reason for it. So we fall into the same trap as the disciples did, and we focus on the cause instead of the result. So let us stop trying to focus on the cause. Let's stop trying to explain things. Well, that quite frankly, folks, are not explainable. I've been in, I, just, just a few years ago, very close friends of, of ours, their baby died in the womb. And she gave birth to a dead baby. And she asked me, Jake, why did this happen? And I simply said the only thing that I didn't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why this happened. All I know is, is that this is an incredibly, awfully terrible thing that has happened. And we are here for you. We will be praying for you. We will be praying with you. And we love you. And the Lord loves you. The fact is, is that you and I are human. And that means that we are going to have human experiences. And some of those human experiences are grief in whatever way, shape, or form. Again, whether it's physically, spiritually, or emotionally. So let us stop focusing on the cause. Let us stop trying to find a reason for why something happened. Let us just simply focus on the result. And what is that result? Well, just what the Bible says that God can take even the most horrific things of this world and turn them into something for good for him.
That's what Paul says. That's what he writes. That all things work together for good for those who love him. And just a, and just a, a side note. If you are trying to counsel someone, if, 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 if you just don't know what to, to say, sometimes I wouldn't even lead off with this. I wouldn't say, well, this, the, the, the death of your child happened so that God's works might be revealed in him. I would tell them that later. But right away, I just wouldn't. I would simply say, I love you. We love you. We are here with you. We are here for you. We are incredibly sorry that this has happened. And the Lord is with you as well. God does and can take these horrific things that happen, terrible things that happen, and turn them into something that is good. We need look no further than the death of his own son as Exhibit A. The third thing, the third thing, that the third common response is something to the effect of, well, this event will make you stronger. Or you have to be strong for so and so. So that means don't, don't cry because you need to be strong for whoever it is. For whatever reason, our society has an unhealthy perception and an, unha- and an unhealthy attitude on what it means to be strong. Tears do not signify weakness. I went to a funeral several years ago and I had the opportunity to speak to the widow of the man who had died. And she was fighting back. She was, she, she was, you could just tell that she was just fighting back tears. And she said, I, I, just, I have to be strong for someone. And I said, just cry. It's okay. It's okay to cry. Just because you cry does not mean that it, it is a signal somehow of weakness. Why must a tragedy be a stepping stone to a stronger you? I don't, I don't get that. Why can't just a bad thing that ha- has happened just be that, a terrible thing? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's true, I suppose, that there are certain things that happen in our lives that give us the experiences to know what to do better or to what to do differently in the future. But I don't, I don't think the death of my grandma or of my grandpa somehow made me stronger, but I mourned, and I certainly cried. And why is it not okay to show mourning, vulnerability, and weakness? Saying this, saying that this will make you stronger, or that you must be strong for so and so, is similar to the saying above. It just isn't helpful, and it's not Biblical. As a matter of fact, there are countless examples of how God uses vulnerability for his good. Isaiah, for example, maybe you didn't know this, stripped off all of his clothes, pretty vulnerable, and wandered around for a time for the sake of God. And I'm sure that all of you, if not most of you, know the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And yet God used that 
He made Joseph second in all of Egypt to only Pharaoh himself and saved countless lives in so doing. The point is this. That showing vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. In fact, the Bible says to the opposite. That when we are weak, then we are strong. Because God's power is made perfect in that very thing, in weakness. And so really, that is the point of this whole message. That in our weakness, in our trials, and in our tribulations, that we are strong. Because according to Paul, that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Go ahead, think of any weakness that you have, any weakness, any moment of suffering that you have ever encountered. And the Bible says that God's power is made perfect in those moments. So when we encounter people who are grieving, whether it's physically, spiritually, or emotionally, let us not try to explain that which is unexplainable. Let us simply focus and allow God's word to speak for itself. Let us not focus on the cause but on the result, that even in your most trying and difficult times, the most trying and difficult situations that you have had, that you will have, that Jesus promises to never leave us. He promises to be with us. And he promises to love us forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. At this time, we will collect our tithes and offerings. So now would be a good time. Uh, to, if you see that red book, um, I believe all of the red side of the book start on the inside aisles and they move their way out. It would be helpful to our elders who at the end of the service collect all of those sheets. The person who gets it last, send it back this way or this way. And then the person who is on the end, please tear off the top sheet and then just set it uh, right on top of that sign in the book, and that will make the process easier for us. So with that, we collect our tithes and offerings.
In our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to remember. First of all, for all those on our health list, for <clears throat> Melba McCord, for Nancy McRoberts, Mary Fritz, Ella Kleibaker, Esther Holly, Flora Oberman, Landreth Worm, Erwin Kruger, Erna Shane, Janice Meyer, Jeannie Stoltz, Myron Reed, Rosa Marie Griman, Carol McIntyre, Marilyn Stewart, Sandy Voskamp, Caitlin Kleibaker, David Hughes, Marv Henning, Madison Williams, Elmer Kaiser, Lee Dust, Ethel Helmkamp, and Dale Chapman. We also rejoice and celebrate with Clarence and Teresa Nelson on 35 years of marriage on March the 27th. Please rise as we go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge to you that in our efforts to try to, to try to console those that we love, that we have sometimes, Lord, we just, we haven't said the right things. And Lord, for those times, we pray for your forgiveness. But Lord, we know, and we know that the truth is, is that your promises are always true, that your promises are and will always be right. Those promises, Lord, which you have so graciously given to us. Promises, Lord, that say that never will you leave us, never will you forsake us, that you are always with us, that you will always be with us, even to the very end of the age. So, Lord, we pray that when those moments come for which we have the opportunity to minister to and to console those who are grieving, we pray, Lord, that you would give us the, the words to speak, words, Lord, that come from you. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray for the nation and the world that we live in. We pray, Lord, that where there is unrest, Lord, that the culprits of those, Lord, who caused that unrest, that they will be brought to justice. Lord, we pray that where that unrest is, that there would be peace, that there would be healing. Lord, also where there is hunger, that you would feed. Lord, where there are, are those that do not yet know you as their Lord and Savior, that you would send to them an extra measure of your Holy Spirit, so that they might know. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, we thank you for the school that we have, and we thank you, Lord, for last week's carnival, and we thank you for the money that was raised, for the fellowship that happened, and we pray, Lord, that this money that we have raised, Lord, that we would use it according to your good and gracious will, that we might further the kingdom, that we might further the proclamation of the gospel, Lord, to those children and those families for whom you send to us. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we also pray a special prayer for all those that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, especially, Lord, those who are on our health list, and also, Lord, those who name before you in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Lord Jesus, we also rejoice with Clarence and Teresa upon 35 years of wedded love 
And Lord, we ask that you would continue to bless them in this next year of their marriage and continue to allow them, Lord, to grow closer to one another, to grow closer to you. Lord, in your mercy. Finally, Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of Holy Communion that is here before us. We give you thanks that it is in, with, and under the bread and the wine that we receive the real presence of your very body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Help us, Lord, then, as we leave here, uh, uh, to always uh, to live and to know uh, that we are forgiven people. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Please rise. And so now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith and to life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. We sing our closing hymn, God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It. That's number 594, 594. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with the members of Trinity next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of FreistatRadio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things.
Please be seated. And we have one final announcement for uh, all of you this morning. So Mr. Grimer, please come up to the lectern and announce for us.